The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today is February 14th, the day of love and compassion and understanding and romance. And we couldn't, I couldn't be happier to share this day with one of my best friends, Mr. Darian Douglas. Oh, Darian, man, how's your it's Valentine's just beautiful, going? Greg. You know, I'm happy to be back in New York. I thought I was going to be back in my house, but, you know... I, alas, I am not. So I got my virtual kitty back wait, over here. <laughs> That's uh, Tots. You know what I'm saying? Me and Tots. Tots. Yeah. T-O-T-T-T-S. Tots. tots. Yeah. Like Just like Tater Tots, tots like baby. Voice for tots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm, I'm excited to be back here with you, man. And, uh, uh, tonight or today. Uh, I'm a little sleepy. I haven't had my coffee yet. We got... We got we got some super important people with us today, man. And uh, Mr. Tom Mayer and Ben Kahn from from over at Blind Duet, one of my favorite podcasts, man. And what what these guys do is they bring two people who have never made music together and probably don't even know each other. And they bring them together, they introduce them, and say create. And, and so y'all really got to go check this podcast out, Blind Duet. We're gonna get them on here to talk a lot about the music industry and why they created this podcast and uh, why it's so special. I think it's special. What you think? I think it's a great idea and, and I, I can't wait to hear more about it and, and the process that went into making something like this, especially since I, I'm, a lot of their, um, the content is all made virtually. So, you know, this is all very pertinent to 2022 and, and how art is created. Bro, welcome the to the, metaver- the internet. metaverse. Man. I know you don't want to live in a metaverse, Greg, but we live in it. <laughs> it's the beginning of it the, our, our grandkids are going to be watching us online they'll be like man there was a long time ago <laughs> Those, use video cameras that's ancient I, I guess we should we should also uh for the sake of transparency uh let our listeners know that tom does work for second line arts collective as, as our as our uh, 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 uh development coordinator <laughs> and so what that is a fancy word for me tom brings in all the money for our programming and and so we love him he, he's you know i don't want to tell everybody this because somebody gonna steal him but he's the greatest to do it. he's the one of the greatest to ever do it so um any, anyway man without further ado let's welcome tom mayor and ben Khan to the working artist project what up y'all hello hello how's it going guys what's up what's happening we are so happy to be here that was a very kind intro thank you um love you guys that was was really great and and we are so excited to to uh be on the working artist project one of one of my favorite podcasts so this is a this is a great moment for me hey yeah i'm glad to know that we have uh, at least two listeners to the podcast so that's pretty cool (laughs) that's pretty cool (laughs) <laughs> well, no, four, well, I guess six because our parents listen as well. So that's that's also hey. that's also pretty good. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right back at you. 
But you know, today today's an exciting day too because uh, I believe this is the first time we've had two guests on at the same time. So we're in for quite an exciting uh, experiment, and we'll see how the conversation goes with uh, with. It's the second time. It's the second three. time because we, so we had uh, Brian Richburg, remember? And uh, I do remember. That's my man exactly. I do there. remember. They were on together. John oh. Michael. That's right. That's right. John so Michael. Second time. Right. So you know, we know we we professionals, man. That's true. Yeah, different. we got this oh, under control. It's but, fine. But, yeah. But dig this, y'all. I, I do kind of I know the premise of the podcast. I do want to know what inspired y'all to kind of to to get this thing. Well, going, that's you know? um that's a really great question. And th- what's what's funny, Darren, is all three of you already know the answer. Um, if you remember back in 2020, I cold emailed you about doing some research. I was in I was finishing up my, my grad program at the University of London. And I had just gotten permission to um, submit a, a dissertation in an alternative format. I was preparing a, a podcast dissertation about the music industry in New Orleans. It, was a, it kind of touched on a lot of different, a lot of different things. It was like about COVID and race and education and, and post-Katrina New Orleans. Um, and you and Darian were my first interview and it went horribly. I was so bad at it. You were great. You were fantastic. And you answered all the questions beautifully and eloquently and everything. But I was horrible at asking questions. I didn't know what I was doing yet. Um, and then I, I also got in touch with Greg and we had a, an interview. Um, ben is weirdly kind of featured throughout that podcast series. He kind of is like the anchor of of. Ben's story of leaving New Orleans, wanting to to make music in LA because New Orleans kind of wasn't supporting him, which I hope we can all touch on later in this interview because I think it's really important. It's something that we all are familiar with. Um, but that is how I got involved with podcasting. And I kind of drew Ben in through that podcast. We wanted to make something together. Uh, and so I'm very sorry, Darian, that your interview, it never made the final cut of that podcast because I, I was so, it just, it, it didn't, I was so bad at it. Uh, well, I have that interview somewhere, and I, I'm going to go revisit it at some point. But Greg and Ben are are, are uh, in the final cut of that. Hey man, I, I like how Tom takes responsibility for my. I'm, I'm no, sure it, it was really, definitely me. It that was. was I remember yeah. I was like trying to introduce you to all of these theories that that I had been reading up on and researching. All of these like really nuanced theories about capitalism and urban development and i was like okay darian what do you think of this and you're like yeah that seems pretty cool i was like oh no wait but you have to understand this part of it it's actually terrible and you're like oh okay yeah i guess that's terrible um and i just felt so bad because i was i just (laughs) i stunk it up on that interview but i'll i'll go find it i'll send it to you we can we can watch it together and and cringe at the at how i formatted it all right but that's kind of how it that's kind of how it got started ben and i were both obsessed with music and and supporting musicians and through my my research we spent some time podcasting together and, and creating that podcast it was it really was collaborative um even though it was an assignment for me then what do you remember about about doing that yeah i was gonna say i think to be fair this is not our first attempt at a podcast that we we have some failed ideas that we started first uh we really wanted to make something that we felt like was informative at first. I think that was like our first um, venture was like trying to figure out 
we had like an idea about about talking to musicians that were in different scenes. So like they'd be in different places in the world and like interviewing a bunch of musicians that live there and kind of trying to figure out what this scene was like there and how that was similar to scenes that we were both familiar with. I mean, grew up in New Orleans. I went to college in New York. Now I live in LA. So I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of like the three or three of the big music scenes in, in the U.S., but I was interested in learning about more small town music scenes and learning about other countries and what it's like over there and how that maybe um, relates to what I'm used to. And I think from that kind of came this idea of like, wait a second, what we really want is actually to connect people from different music scenes. Like that was the idea that that podcast was, is like, how can we connect people from different parts of the world uh, so you don't have to come to LA or you don't have to come to New York. I think like now with all this digital stuff, I mean, none of us are in the same room. We're making podcasts. We're talking. There's, we were like, maybe you can create music that way too. And maybe that the scene, obviously live is different, but the scene for creating is, you know, online at this point, we, we can, we can make art um, virtually apart. So we, that's kind of how the podcast came about. It was, thinking about how to connect people from different places and find out that as musicians, um, we're all kind of dealing with the same stuff. And so like, why not just work together and make something? You did have. That's such an interesting point too, that I think is, is a great thing. It's again, you know, like from being a musician from New Orleans, having lived in New York, LA, there's all these different micro scenes that exist. But now in 20, you know, I guess maybe for the last five years or so, you have a whole new scene that's that's come out of nowhere. And that's the the, the internet content creator scene. You got like the cast like Chad Lefwitz Brown. You got your, you know, for me, I'm like deep into the clarinet rabbit hole on Instagram. And you got drum stuff. You got guitar stuff. And so th those cats, it's, it's it's been interesting to watch them grow audiences and also make a living on that scene via Instagram, collaborate with other artists and things like that, which is, which is really fascinating. And it's cool again, to, to transcend a specific location, um, with, with the advent of the internet. Um, so, so you guys are, so can you talk us through a little bit about how the, the podcast works and, and maybe like, uh, talk about some of the, uh, the artists and collaborations ben, you all have had? Yeah. I was going to say we have, you know, we have like our soundbite elevator pitched version of it, which is like, two musicians, two weeks, two minutes of music. That's like our, that's our short, our short thing, which basically means we take two musicians. Uh, and we, I mean, I think I want to also say that I consider producers and DJs and uh, even guys that are mostly audio engineers, I consider them in that, in that field as well. So, um, you know, we don't just limit it to instrumentalists. Obviously we have vocalists as well and all that. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have two people, two, two artists, and they, we give them two, we, we do an initial interview, get to know them. They get to know each other. They haven't met before. That's the other thing. We make sure that that's two people that haven't met before. Uh, and then we give them two weeks to create something virtually. We ask for about two minutes of music. Uh, obviously they can do more. And uh, then we interview them after they've finished their collaborative process and talk about the, uh, like go really deep into what they created. Uh, and we even, we even, um, splice in little pieces of, of audio, you know, we try to get the stems from them as well so that we can hear 
and we can focus in as we're talking about the drum beat or as we're talking about the keyboard part or whatever, we can, we can have the audience uh, zoom in on that and listen to that soloed with us. Yeah. I don't know if, if y'all are fans of song exploder of that podcast where artists will come on and they're able to isolate like, like, here's how I, here's the guitar part from this song. Here's, and then sort of share, share the story of creating that guitar part or a vocal line or a bass line or whatever. We are, we're heavily, heavily influenced is a, is a modest way, I think, or a polite way of saying played plagiarizers of song exploder a little bit in that we, that concept is, it's so engaging and it's so informative and, and instructive. So we, we want to be able to isolate some parts from each song that comes out of blind duet and then share that with listeners and then have the artist explain, ah, oh, here's exactly what went into that. And of course, each, each episode um, wraps up by we play the whole song that, uh, that our artists came up with. Bro, I'm, I'm curious how you guys think that, you know, this new technology is going to aid in, you know, people being able to stay in their hometowns, people, you know, people not like, how is this going to, you know, kind of elevate people to, to circumvent like the, the lack of industry that is in their cities? I think that's really where we, where we started um, this whole idea from, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, you know, you guys have, have, have uh, experienced the New Orleans music scene and you know how there's so much good music and there's so many good musicians, but unfortunately there's not that industry support that we need a lot of the time. And so I think that was kind of one of, one of the things we were thinking about is like, how can we get people from smaller scenes to connect with people, <clears throat> excuse me. It's also kind of early in LA, y'all, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone, he's up at nine o'clock in the morning. That's quite an accomplishment for a musician, I have to say. But yeah, so what I was saying was- <laughs> I can like say that people because smaller I know what it's like. <laughs> with bigger music scenes and, and, and letting them, you know, uh, create something from home. I think you had asked about you know, you can be from anywhere now if you have a camera or a phone even and an instrument and share what you have with, with uh, such a bigger community. And I, yeah, I think that's really, that's really special. I, I do. I have a lot of strong thoughts on this because I think, it's, I think it is such a double-edged sword. The internet being this democratizing force for the music industry. But now, uh, in, I think sort of this, in this idea idealistic sense um we, we're not relying on gatekeepers everyone can have their music on soundcloud everyone can have a, a youtube channel and anyone can like quote unquote get discovered or um can just can be an artist be a creator and have their music heard and find their audience at the same time i think we have we're simply swapping out gatekeepers a little bit it used to be whoever, Universal and BMI, it was like record labels that played Kingmaker for musicians. And now we've kind of recreated the same system just with, with new Kingmakers. Now it's Spotify uh, and it's YouTube. We're still relying on, these companies aren't just platforms that are passive and, and artists are filling them. They are taking an active role in, in deciding who's the next big thing. 
and yeah, there certainly are exceptions that prove the rule, but um, it's still, you know, the 0.01% of artists on SoundCloud are striking it, striking it rich and making it big and, and creating this uh, idealized career out of, out of their content, out of their music being posted on SoundCloud or Spotify or whatever. So um, I grapple with that a lot. I think about what is, what is our role with, with Blind Duet or in all of our roles as, as folks who are invested in supporting musicians and, and creating platforms for musicians. Um, you know, Ben and I, we, we still have a few hurdles to solve. Like, yeah, to be on Blind Duet, you can be anywhere, but you have to have a certain amount of equipment, right? You need, we can't, unfortunately, unfortunately, we can't just have you recording into your computer speaker um, and, and sending that MP3 to your collaborator. We are hoping to have a certain level of, uh, of recording quality to match what your, what your partner is going to be bringing to the table. So we're still figuring that out. And, and how is that, um, how is that affecting access for musicians and being able to, to jump on blind duet? Those are all the things that are, that are kind of swirling around in my head. So, you know, Ben, Ben mentioned the word industry and I mean, I guess we're talking about again, the transition of the industry, like kind of going from a local scene to maybe the internet, I mean, the, the place we're at now, wherever, whatever it's called. Um, but you know, when I, when I hear like a, a lack of infrastructure in regards to the industry, I think of the lack of financial opportunities for musicians. Like, you know, again, like here in new Orleans and I've been really down on this lately. And I, and I feel like maybe another time I can go off my, my, my soapbox about what I think is wrong with the scene here. But long story short, the only real opportunities for musicians here in New Orleans are to play $100, $200, $300 gigs. And um, you make enough money to make it to the gig the next night, and that's it. And whenever any type of industry-type related project comes to town, it's usually someone from LA, Nashville, New York, who gets the contract, and they, they subcontract these, you know, a $300 recording session to a New Orleans musician that's going to get no residual income. And uh, so that's, that's the industry summed up here in these smaller scenes. But, and I, and I see that thing happening also on the internet, <clears throat> you know, like just because we have access to things like Spotify and SoundCloud and Facebook and Instagram, I feel like, like a lot of the musicians too, like we give off the facade of doing really well. You know, we have 12,000 followers, we got 50, you know, 30,000 followers, but we're still broke. You know, we're still fighting for that access to industry because now all of a sudden we're contributing all of our works and we're, we're giving every, you have millions of people giving pennies to Spotify. You have millions of people giving pennies to SoundCloud and they're the ones getting rich. So I was wondering, like, again, like speaking on the, the industry and speaking on again, like taking the power back for, for as, as artists, like how what are the hurdles that artists have again in the internet community? Man, can I just say, can we, can we cut that out? Like, can we stop the facade a little bit? I think like that's been so frustrating with me or I've been so frustrated with that as a musician. I think it comes from, it's an internal conflict as well. It's musicians judging other musicians for doing things or, or putting them in a position where it's like, Oh, he's a, he's a teacher. He's not a musician anymore. Or he's a, or she is, you know, she, works part-time at a coffee shop. So like she can't do all the gigs now. And it's like, 
that is really frustrating. I think it's something that one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast and one of the things that I'm trying to do is like is connecting more people so that they can realize that there's other people um, outside of just uh, or like sharing context. I guess is really what I'm trying to say. Like I want to share more information with other musicians. I feel like I've been fortunate enough to play a a lot of really cool gigs, do a lot of cool recording sessions. And the only reasons that I've been able to do that is because I've known people, but I still see that like, it's the same people kind of doing the same stuff. And I feel like we should just share more. There is enough gigs, like as far as there is enough money and gigs to go around, in my opinion, as far as like, when you get outside of that, of that small scene, when you start paying, when things start paying better as well, you know, like when, when you actually start realizing how you can uh, make money from music besides just playing the gig, you can make money from sync opportunities. You can make money from publishing. You can make money from writing for other people. And even if you take some of these uh, big songs and people complain about there being like eight writers on there, it's just so everybody gets paid. You know, like that, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Like I'm, I'm really someone who believes in sharing resources and I believe in, in not trying to box in my fellow musicians or my fellow artists. Like I really want to just, I really want everybody to win. I know that sounds really corny to a certain extent, but like, I don't really like if you're if if we're friends, like if you're if you're someone that I think is a good person and is in respects, uh, there's like a good musician, good artist, good person. Like I'm willing to share everything that I have resource wise, and I wish I do wish that more people were on that were on that train. Yep. To to piggyback there on on what Ben said, first of all, I I agree with you, Ben. That there's I think everyone is partially creating their social media persona a little bit and and projecting what how they want to be perceived um and i this is this is like we all know this it's 2022 we've all lived on social media for for the better part of 20 years now so like i think we all sort of know the drill um but it it's 20 years in it, there's still this trend of, of like crafting your life, crafting your, your little persona that lives out there on the internet. That isn't, that's maybe a slice of you, but it's not this like authentic um, representation of who you are and what you do. Um, and I think that's. But isn't that, isn't that like what the music industry is though? I mean, like, as I was driving here, I was listening to the radio and everyone, the talk, talk radio here in New Orleans, they were bitching and complaining about the Super Bowl halftime. And the guy was complaining about thug culture being per- perpetuated into the mainstream. But, but I know, just think of like Dr. Dre. The dude is a millionaire and lives in probably the nicest house possible. And he's like up there rapping about growing up in Compton and living this like mm. hard life. So, I mean, isn't that like the same thing you're talking about? Well... I'm going to say this about just about that topic. I think when Dr. Dre wrote that song, it was true. I mean, you got to remember that song is 20 some years old, man. 
that music that he was talking about, you know, he's a billionaire today, but when he was writing that music, he wasn't necessarily, he, he was poor, living in Compton in the hood. So it was, it was a direct representation of his life in that moment. You know, uh, you, you know, I, I don't want to get into, because we're not here for that, for the, you know, this people talking about thug, like, I, I don't, I, I didn't see no thugs on stage. I saw a bunch of old dudes. You know, like J. Cole is not a thug. He was the youngest cat on there. Like, you know, Anderson Pack is not a thug. It, it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is not like 1990, bro. Like, like nobody's listening to gangster rap anymore. Like, that's just not even what the hip hop is. And so whoever was saying that is just extremely out of touch with um popular music yeah. currently. Seconded. But 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 I guess I guess I guess my point though is just again, like, like to me. Like the whole idea of celebrity is like a curtailed, like you just get to see, you get to see yeah. a cured version of like what the industry wants you to see. And you don't actually well, get to me, see the day to day. Let me take this what, like, sure. uh, into with, left you know? field for one second or like a quick sidebar, because this is one of my favorite questions to ask on Blind Duet, which is, do you want to be famous? What is your relationship with celebrity? So Greg G, Darren Douglas, do you, do you want to be famous? <laughs> Man, you know, Tom, I've never wanted to be famous, man. It's never interested me, ever. I think um, for me, my one goal for a musician was I was like, okay, if I can make a, a good living being a musician and I can send and I can have a family and buy a house and you know what I mean? Like that, that was, that's true success for me. I, I don't want to put like a number on, the, you know, I, I would love to make billions of dollars playing, like producing art, you know, but I, I can I don't want to be famous. That seems like a burden that no man actually wants. <laughs> like Prince, Michael Jackson, they all killed themselves because of this, you know. It's for personally for me, I don't want it. Yeah, I mean, as far as now, now I'm being interviewed on my my podcast. This is this is terrifying. Um man, I've I've always seen fame. As um, I mean, again, like, I feel like I come from the same perspective as Darian, you know, like I, I definitely I'm a clarinet player. I've never dreamed of being, you know, famous, famous like I but but I see how having um, a platform does help your career, you know, and um, I, I don't think <clears throat> for me, my idea has always been I want to be a great musician. And part of the game is that you have to you have to let you have to. Um, create art for people and you have to have some type of interaction with people. So but from that perspective, like I do, I don't know about being famous, but I do like feel, I do feel the need to have an audience for what I do because I think that that creates, that creates, um, I want to have, I want to be playing clarinet when I'm 60. And if I don't have an audience, I think that would make that goal a little more challenging. And also I make my living from playing clarinet and saxophones. So, you know, I feel like those two things go hand in hand. Am I looking to be famous? No, not really. But I just want to be respected in my field and continue yeah, I think there's, to there's this, develop this my craft. Guy, and play. I, I read a lot of his stuff uh, named Seth Godin. And you know about Seth Godin? About like the whole tribes concept, huh? Where it's like... <laughs> Seth Godin, I have like Seth Godin quotes that's, all that's of my great. Yeah. I've like read all of his <laughs> yeah, books. He is too, my man. favorite. I haven't read all of his books, but I've read, uh, I, I follow his like, I get his like daily uh, posts. And I read uh, the, I read Lynchpin is the one that I read. 
And it was like, it really changed my Dude, whole perspective on being an artist, even though it wasn't, it was, I mean, it was touched on art, but there was other stuff that talked about too. But the idea of art being a gift is in the sense of like, it's not art unless it's a gift, unless you share it. And I think. And, and exactly, exactly. And it's just like someone else. That was when like I think the, about the it definition. is that I knew that that's what it was, that that's why I wanted to release art my whole life, but I never had been able to word it just like that. And I think for me, like when I started, when I figured that out, I, my whole mindset changed of like, now I want to release more stuff. I was less scared to, to release things. And I think like what you were saying about, um, about having an audience as well, the whole tribes concept of like, there's somebody, there's a group of people that want what you have to offer. They want the gift that you can give them of your art. And I think like, you don't have to be famous for that. And the one good thing that social media and YouTube and all that stuff has shown us is that people have that audience and they can make a living and be, you know, I guess some version of famous, but more just like well-known than like, than actually famous. Cause they're not performing at the Super Bowl. You know, they're not, they're not, uh, they can still go to a coffee shop with their camera and, and vlog and people might recognize them, but it's not, you know, as many people as, uh, Kendrick Lamar or some, or, or Beyonce or Jay-Z or, uh, the president or something like that. You know what I mean? It's not like on that level, but they're making a living. They have families, they have houses, they have everything they need. And I think that that's really, really special. And it's something that I hope, or I'm seeing it get a little dark and I'm hoping that it doesn't get too bad in the sense of like, I think the audience needs to, or it would be nice if the audience also recognized that that's a gift. Like when someone makes a video and you're, and you're like inspired to create something or somebody releases, you know, uh, even just an Instagram post that changes your mindset or like reading this book, the Seth Godin book, like that was such a beautiful gift that I was able to receive. And I think like when I um, now absorb other art or other content from people, I respect it more because I know like how how much that takes out of you to, to, to actually release something. I'm not like, give me more. Like, I feel like people are like more content, more content all the time. And I'm just like, no, I, there's like 20 people you can get a little bit of content from and, and still be, and still be satisfied. And it's like, I really appreciate uh, being able to receive that and being able to experience that and being able to feel better about myself or about my day because I watched that video, listened to that song or, uh, heard that quote, read that book, whatever. Yeah. As, as Tom, you were mentioning that your, your first episode of the podcast didn't make it on air. I was, I literally thought to myself too, one, one of the things that Seth preaches a bunch about, and he's like, you know, our job as artists is not, or our job is not finished until our product is shipped. And <clears throat> what he means by that is like, you know, until the CD is released, until the podcast hits live or whatever it is, like you haven't actually completed your artwork. And I think that's like, again, like one of the the most challenging things for all of us artists is again to, to, to create something 
and then to let it out into the world and let the world decide the merit of whatever it is we're creating. Because for all of us, it's like, you know, I listen to the podcast, Darian and I's podcast, and I'm like, man, you know, I sound so stupid saying this. And like, why do I do that? And, you know, and and if I had my way, I wouldn't release any of it because I sound like an idiot, but I don't have a choice because we're live. So, (laughs) but again, like, you know, as an artist, like shipping the work is one of the biggest challenges. Um, Also, he speaks a lot about creating... um, I, I love this one too. It's like, it's not about creating work for millions of people. It's about creating something of value for one person. And then once you've created something of value for one person, you can focus on two and then four and then eight and 16. And, and that whole process gives you the, the skills and um, experience necessary to deal with larger numbers as, as your work develops and becomes more refined and applicable to greater groups of people. So yeah, I've, man, I appreciate you shouting out Seth Godin because his books and perspectives have really opened up my mind. Yeah, and that gets um, into that like 1,000 true fans concept art. as well. I forget, I think uh, Ferris, is that the guy who did that? Tim, Tim Ferris. Ferris? Yeah, isn't he the 1,000 true fans guy? Like it's like that concept I think really goes hand in hand of like, you can, if you just have, I think like thinking about manageable, like manageable numbers of who want, who you can reach and then realizing that from those manageable numbers, you can get a huge following or you can reach more people. And uh, yeah, I think that that's seems more when I heard, when I think about that and I think about like what Seth talks about, it makes it a little bit, um, it makes it a little bit easier to think about releasing stuff. And I was going to say too, my, my favorite part about our podcast is that it's something that, I actually get to see start to finish release. We do it once a month, you know, but it, but it's like before that I, I spent so much time working on projects. Like, I mean, I'm sure everybody, all of us have hundreds, if not thousands of, of songs or beats or ideas like on a hard drive that we've never released, you know, that's never going to come out. And so I think having something that I am forcing myself to finish every month uh just really i love it i just love that i'm getting to share something even if like you said even if you know 20 people six people listen to it 100 people i just have so much faith i think at this point that persistence in releasing something and practicing that concept of making art start to finish is going to lead to more people listening to it or more people knowing about it or more people um, just, I hope just, just feeling better, having a better day because they listen to something that, that we made, you know? Yeah. I feel like even Instagram for me, that's the way I look at Instagram. Every time I post a video of me playing, that's an exercise of like, you know, this is just a little snippet that I have to like get over my self doubt and put it out there. And just, it's just an exercise in doing that. And I think that's, again, like one of the greatest practices an artist can, can well, I think too, oh, sorry, Tom, I keep cutting you off in my career. Oh, you're good. I, I have found that I really care a lot about each episode that we make, which has been really nice for me. I don't, um, Ben and I used to play a lot of music together back in, in high school and a little bit in college and a little bit after college, which, which was wonderful. Some of my best, my, some of my favorite memories for sure. And since then I've, I've been on like a little bit of a downswing on, on playing music, 
I haven't picked up the drumsticks in a minute. Um, and so I'm, I have been looking for um, other creative outputs. And um, I, this was a reminder that, man, I really care a lot about making sure that whatever, whatever I create in, in whatever form, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, I think in a healthy way, um, just in that I, I, I don't think a lot of people can say this, but I really enjoy editing. I really enjoy editing on the podcast. <laughs> I edit for content and then I pass it to Ben who edits for like, he's like the, the audio engineer side of stuff. Um, and so I'm, I'm in there, like all the, all the mouth clicks and all the, all the breaths and stuff. I'm in there like editing all of those out. I, I need it to be uh, a perfectly little crafted masterpiece before I send it to Ben. And of course it's not like I'm, I'm not a super OCD about it or anything. Um, but I, that is how now I, a weird expression of, of my creativity is almost turning these long interviews that we do and just for, just for context, Blind Duet is pretty heavily edited. We do two one-hour interviews plus the song, plus a little intro from me and Ben, and we crunch that all into usually 30 or 35 minutes. Um, and so being able to craft that narrative and find the through lines from interview one to interview two and make sure those get connected in the final edit, that's the kind of stuff that I've come to really enjoy, which has been great. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. You you guys have. Uh, I'm just sitting here listening to you guys, and I don't I don't have that thing that you all three, or at least Greg and uh, Ben, have about putting stuff. I have the other. I have a, the opposite end of that where I'm just like, all right, create, create, put out, put out, put out. I don't give a shit how what it is. I just don't even think about it again. I just move on with my life and start and go to the next thing, which which is also detrimental because sometimes it really sucks. It's in, you know, or sometimes you miss things. I'm I'm a doer, not I don't think about if it's gonna suck or not. I just don't even comp, it just doesn't even register to me with anything I do. I'm just like, oh, sounds good, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's interesting to, to be on to hear you guys talk about that, the other process where where you do have some fear or some anxiety associated with creation. You know, or like I know that Ben and I are, are fans of the comedian Bo Burnham. I don't know if, if y'all check out his stuff. He's oh, yeah. he's he's yeah. kind of my yeah, that's as as a creator, as someone in like his creative process, he's someone I really look up to. Where he he just disappears for two years. He doesn't do anything for two years. And then suddenly he drops this new special and it makes huge waves. His his last one inside, man. I thought it was like one of the most important pieces of art it's that is now like a new touchstone for me personally and it, uh and i think a lot of people found it hugely relatable and and very clever um and he's disappeared again and now he's off i don't know what he's doing and that's kind of the point no one knows what he's doing he's not live tweeting his breakfast or or giving little or like <laughs> giving little snippets little behind the scenes anything he just disappears and is off making art i assume uh, you know some the crazy thing about that is like his concept works but also the cardi b concept works where you let people all the way into your life super deep where they know they feel like they really know you you know what i mean like that's it, it, if you think about cardi b she's she's a great thought experiment because she was literally 
some girl in the Bronx who was in a strip, who was a stripper. And she, she created a following, like Greg said, she got an audience, so it was thousand people. And then she just grew it to millions. Like she, she's not that talented. She's like, you know, we can, we can name a thousand rappers who are, who are better than Cardi B or people who are more interesting. But, but the thing that everybody was afraid to do was to, to be themselves and let people see everything. She did that and she leveraged that versus Bo Burnham, who, who just like, I see you on the next creative pursuit, you know, see you in five years. And it's interesting to think about because, because it both it just depends on your well. audience. I think it's, it's like, if your audience is people who want that 30 second video content every day, or they want that, you know, what are you eating for breakfast? What did you, what do you care? I, I actually, there's this, there's this whole sub thing that I like, actually, it's a really it's like a everyday carry. I don't know if you guys watch those videos on YouTube, but it's like what people carry in their pockets all day. And they just like show you like, I got a pocket knife. I've got, you know, this new key fob thing. And I've got like, you know, uh, these uh, like rings and stuff, you know, just stuff. I, I think that's kind of cool sometimes, but I think some people are into that. And then you've got the other side, like we we're, we we're talking about where maybe your audience has a little more patience for your art to come out. Um, but something I actually wanted to, to I was going to talk to to you about, Greg, um, that I really, I think going back to talking about um, releasing things, I feel like you of all people have a bit of a responsibility because you were like taught by somebody, I'm, I'm specifically talking about Alvin Batiste, who is like, you know, your mentor and somebody that I had a little bit of contact with when I, when I was at NOCA as well. Um, I feel like when you, when you, when we get to experience people that have so much to teach and so much to share with the world and they didn't have social media, like he was someone who just was able to touch so many people on a personal level by being uh, a teacher and being just someone that, that, um, you know, really shaped and molded a lot of, young musicians and musicians and like he had to do that by actually seeing people in person you know and just meeting and I think like to be able to share some of that some of that information and some of that um perspective on life and music creation is like I love when I get so excited when I see you post videos and it'll be like one of his tunes or something like that or you'll have like a quote from him underneath your underneath your uh video or something like that to me is really special and something that we can continue to do, you know, sharing information from, from people that didn't get to share it with as many people or something like that. I think that that's something that I really, I really value with this, with this new, new media that we have. And I'm actually wearing a special shirt today too. I was going to share it. It's the, it's the jazz camp shirt from 2005. So that. That's the Katrina I year. That, yeah. I found it at my parents' house. Like <laughs> That's uh, Katrina when year. They're, they were, they're moving. So I was like going through the through some stuff and I found this shirt and it was huge on me when I was a little kid. And like now it's a little tight. So <laughs> but but that's where I first actually met Greg. That's where I first met Greg and where I first met uh Mr. Bat and all that stuff. So just like, I don't know. I think it's just so important to share. That's me. That's my whole thing. I'm just all about sharing at this point because I, I feel like I'm fresh, I get frustrated with people just hoarding knowledge, hoarding opportunity. I think I'm much more interested in share and sharing. 
I have so many thoughts coming to my mind as you you were saying everything. So I, I hope I can get everything out. Um, but, you know, like back to the Cardi B and Bill Burnham thing, I think like a really important concept that I've like tried to embrace in my life is just win-win. And whenever, whenever I think of a situation, I always try to think of it as like, how can I win and how can this other person win? And every, every opportunity I try to create, I always check... I always go, you know, go at it from a win-win perspective is again, like, how am I going to benefit from this? How am I going to create value for someone else? And, you know, just, I, I think that's the, the, the cool thing too, about these tribes and the access the internet provides is that you can do it your way and be tremendously successful. Like Bo Burnham does it his way. Cardi B does it her way. And it, you know, just because one is successful doesn't delegitimize the other one. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a hard thing that I've had to overcome in my jazz musician mind of like incorporating technical ability as a standard for art, because art technical ability has no bearing on art. In my opinion, it does have a, a bearing on like, you know, maybe what I feel is important. Cause that's, that's just the way I live my life. But you know, just because some dude or whoever, anyone just goes and creates something. And if it creates a change in someone else and they love it and it goes viral and they make, he makes $3 billion off it, I guess that's art. And I just have to uh, realize that it's okay. Everyone can do their thing and be successful. And again, just because he does it that way doesn't mean I can't do it my way. Um, but also back to Mr. Bat. Yo, man, I mean, man, I love Mr. Batiste and my, my whole origin of life and where I'm at today, like really began, in my opinion, with meeting Mr. Baptiste and, and, you know, meeting him at a young age, I always told myself that, like, I remember having conversations with myself saying like, I don't know why I met this man right now in my life, but I know it's really important. And I always like really wanted to treasure those moments with him. And, you know, I, I really feel like for, for me again, like a lot of times I see my life as a before moving to New Orleans and bef after moving to New Orleans, but maybe it's more like, before meeting Bat, after Bat. <laughs> but yeah, you know, again, that's the thing is just that we have so much to share with the world. And, um, you know, again, I, I just, my, my, my idea has always been Mr. Bat was a man of integrity. He was a man that was like playful. He had a lot of fun. He never like judged people. He, he really tried to, I think there was a quote I read somewhere and he's like, uh, I love teaching because there's, there's nothing like seeing the light shine in someone's eye or something like that, or seeing the light turn on in someone's eye. And I just, um, yeah, man, I, I just, I, I truly appreciate the gift that he gave me and, and hope that, you know, tying this back into celebrity and creating a facade or whatever, like just again, like, you know, you can be famous and still be an intellectual. You can still be a great practicer and be a role model for people. Like it doesn't always have to be the lowest common denominator to, to get eyes, to get, you know, affirmations or, you know, some type of validation. So, you know, I appreciate Mr. Bat for opening up that in my mind and, and showing me that that was possible. And, and I hope, and I always, always, always intend to pass on what he gave me because I truly believe like he literally gave me a gift or opened up a gift that was in my heart that I didn't know. And I hope that by whatever I do can create that same change in other people or inspire other people to go through that process themselves. I'm gonna just second that. Yeah, I was right, just gonna say ahead, that was beautiful, Greg. <laughs> um, y'all, we coming to an end. We're getting close here to time, and, and 
it goes so fast when it's for people, you know. It might need to Joe Rogan in and do five hour interviews. When, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's good advice but to before we do go, anything I, Joe Rogan these days. Oh, <laughs> oh God. See, yeah, yeah, well, that's a whole nother. Uh, we, we could add a whole episode just talking about what we think of Joe Rogan's uh, decisions. But, you know, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But before we go, man, I, I do want to give you guys an opportunity to tell people where uh, to connect with you online, on your social webs, what your social security number is, and all the stuff that you're selling. All right. So um, you can follow the podcast at Blind Duet Pod on Instagram. Uh, we're also on all of your favorite, I always say wherever you like to podcast. So wherever you get your podcasting casting, uh, information from, we're on all those places. We even recently uh, started releasing our podcast on YouTube as well. So if that's your, if that's your uh, platform of choice, we just have the audio up right now, but we're working on um, adding some more video content. We got some, uh, some new things in the works that we're working out this year. Um, but yeah, we're on Spotify, all that stuff. Um, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, I guess, all that, all that, all that. Um, also, if you're interested in being on the podcast, that's the other thing. So if you're a musician and you want to get paired with, on a blind duet with somebody, uh, you can email us blindduetpod at gmail.com. Just send us an email or hit us up on Instagram too. You can DM us, whatever. Uh, we're always looking for more people. Um, and then uh, I guess my personal Instagram is Benjamin Benier at Benjamin Benier on, uh, on Instagram. If you want to see uh, some of the content that I release, with, you know, if you're interested. <laughs> And uh, Chef Ben, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I also was working. That's something else. But that, that's about like again, just trying to figure out the best way to share things I'm interested in with with other people. But yeah, sometimes I make food too. But <laughs> but yeah, Tom, what about you? Well, um, nothing. I don't have an Instagram. If you want to get in touch with me, you can just uh, get in touch with the the podcast at Blind Duet Pod. I do want to say that our most recent episode is uh non-traditional usually it's it's featuring two guest musicians and, and the music they make together this past one we're trying to fill out the feed a little bit and ben and i really wanted to, to try something new so uh we we have sort of a, a sub um podcast i don't know how do you how would you describe i was calling it like a new series we have like a new yeah, yeah, series yeah. we're working on yeah called uh great moments in duet history and anything from the history of of recorded music is is in play um, and we are featuring, it could be a song, an album, a live performance, anything like that, uh, that is a duet or some kind of collaboration. Um, and what's really fun, the format is one of us has it in mind and, and describes it to the other without sharing what the duet is, uh, without, without uh, the other co-host knowing what is being brought to the table. So the first episode is really fun. Um, it, all I'll say is it's from 2012, and there's sort of this uh, this fun reveal halfway through the episode when, you, when Ben and the rest of our audience finds out what's really going on. I had a lot of fun recording that one. That's beautiful, y'all. You know, I was just sitting here thinking, man, I, I want to make sure that our listeners 
get the importance of this this uh, conversation. And it's just that the power of the internet is going to bring us is currently bringing musicians and artists together in a way that has never happened before and has broken down so many barriers. But at the same time, we're not really making more money from it, and so th that's where the something's got to change. And we didn't even get to NFTs and blockchain technology. And I think that maybe you know. In a different interview, we talk about that and the opportunities that that's going to allow musicians and artists of all kinds to recoup the money that is now being distributed to people like Spotify so they can pay Joe Rogan $100 million and pay us 0.000000003% of a penny or whatever the fuck we make for our downloads. So um, I just want to say fuck Spotify, but thank you all for coming on the show. <laughs> I got to say something, one reckless thing every episode, Greg. <laughs> I gotta. I, I, I want to add one more thing to that too. You know, with with the power of the internet too is like, you know, again, like we we are all as content creators, we are the ones who decide the the climate and culture of the internet. So you know, let's let's use the internet as an opportunity to empower ourselves as individuals, to empower ourselves through a community, to create like positive content that you know uplifts people, as opposed to using this platform to create division and spread hate and all this kind of bullshit happening in the world too, you know. And so, and also we got to make some money. Right? <laughs> Spotify, come on, man. I, I keep coming back to this thing, y'all. If, if you made a $10,000 CD and put it on Spotify, you would, you know, you would need to make like 14 million uh, 14 million streams to have $33,000 of royalty money, which is the same amount of money you could have made had you invested $10,000 in Spotify stock at the low and sold at the high. So, you know, again, you know, I don't know what the point of that is, but information can hopefully liber liberate you and inform your decisions. But yeah, we gotta we gotta take the power back of the internet, man, because these <laughs> blood sucking motherfuckers are trying to get us. <laughs> Thank y'all. Well, my name is Darian Douglas. See, I'm trying to be reckless like you now. Oh, I see. I like that. <laughs> All right. This is the Working Arts Project, and we'll catch y'all later. Thank All right, you. Thank you guys. All right, guys. Thank you so much.